is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of London is Blue podcast. As your host Brandon, and this time a Sam special. That's right, CFC Central is back, breaking down Nicholas Jackson. Normally it's Dan, but Sam, you're stuck with me this time. I wouldn't say stuck. I mean, I've actually been looking forward to this for the longest time. I think this is just the first 1v1 we've done ever since I came uh, on board. So actually very, very happy. I consider it my privilege. So yeah, looking forward to this. Awesome. Well, uh, Dan's on vacation for all of you concerned. Uh, well earned, hanging out. Um, and so we're going to be filling in Nick and I a lot this week. What we've got for you today is a packed show. Uh, Chelsea, been making moves uh, with the departures. Actually, surprisingly, well, I was very concerned about this, but the Saudi League has been a perfect marriage for Chelsea uh, as far as roster moves. And so with the exodus of a lot of players leaving the team, uh, it is now time to start to bring the players in. And that's why we're talking about Nicholas Jackson, 22-year-old forward striker via real i mean what what are we doing we got forwards sam we got strikers we got attackers how do we bucket all these players i think we've got everything except the midfield right um we've actually had a lot of departures there so that's one to definitely keep an eye on um we talked about moises caicedo probably being you know the missing piece next to enzo fernandez but Again, finding the number nine in Armando Breuer's absence, Vidatro Fofana not really getting a look in, possibly could be our first choice striker going into the season. So pretty interesting what happens and how Pochettino views uh, this young forward. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and talk a lot about uh, what the club and the players saying about the move. We can talk about how Poch might get the most out of him. Obviously important there and answer some of your questions as well. Uh, again, I like this new title, Scout of Record for London is Blue, Sam. That is fantastic. Chief Scout of Record. We'll make it C-suite. Uh, that's, that's Dan's title. That's not mine. I, I wouldn't oh, have, no. you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have it in me to give myself a title, but he's been kind enough to to sort of denote one to me. So for I sure. will humbly try to live up to it. Yeah, we'll always be your recorder uh, anytime you need. Uh, before we get into it, look, we exist because of all of you, our amazing community of Chelsea listeners out there. We can't thank you enough for your support. As a reminder, the best way to support the show and join an amazing community of Chelsea fans like yourself is through Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod. Uh, there's plenty of free ways to support the pod though as well the best being subscribing the show via apple Podcasts and spotify and leaving that five star rating review if you like what sam brings to the table review us and tell us let us know that he's the reason you listen uh it will help other Chelsea fans find the show uh as well as youtube right youtube uh i've been uh kind of the engine on the back end producer jake helping we're driving to twenty five thousand subscribers think that's super achievable just over 1000 to get there uh and if 10 percent of you listen and show up and join us on YouTube as well. Even if you just hit subscribe, it's the same thing on audio as video. That would help us get across the goal. Costs nothing to, and it helps us immensely as we continue to be the independent source of Chelsea news and content. All right, enough with that. Sam, it's your turn to shine. You want to kick it off with some strengths. You're such a positive guy. You're always looking at the benefits, the positives, what could be. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about Nicholas Jackson. Do you want to give me, do you want me to give you kind of my overview, my 30 seconds? 
Oh, super. I would absolutely love that. I think that'd be the perfect uh, lead in for me. Because I think I'm like most fans, right? I feel like I've been told he's young, shows a lot of promise, is relatively unproven. Essentially, he's had like a great season, maybe half season. He's coming from La Liga. Um, he's very affordable, but he's probably not like a Diego Costa lead the line, like proven striker. You just plug and play. There's room to grow here. Dynamic can score a lot of different ways, but I think there's, um, a lot to be learned about him. How does that stack up with what you've learned over the last weeks? I would say very, very accurate and very concisely put. I mean, I, I take an hour to to do what you did in 30 seconds. So it takes a different kind of talent to do it. So I think you're absolutely right in terms of recognizing that the club saw an interesting profile in the market, um, thought that they should be one taking a sort of a gamble on it. We've seen the kind of prices being quoted for the big strikers, you know, Osimhen, 180 million apparently is what uh, Aurelio Di Laurentiis wants for him. Um, we've even seen guys like Lotaro Martinez. I mean, Inter will probably ask 90 million, 100 million for their captain. Uh, we saw Sandro Tonali just leave Milan. So if if he left for 70 million and he was captain and boyhood fan of the club, imagine what they're going to ask for. Somebody like a Lotaro Martinez or even a Randall Colo Muani who's been quoted 100 million. So the prices are all over the place. It's just, I think, interesting for the club to now recognize maybe we shouldn't be buying forwards for 100 million. Or maybe we should ju just have three forwards over 30. And it's a good chance that with the reduced pressure, one of them will come good. So I think they've taken a, a calculated gamble on this one. Uh, if you haven't already seen it, uh, Dimitri, Chicago Dimitri on Twitter, friend of the pod, he's done um, a sort of visualization, a radar on, on Nicholas Jackson. And it's interesting to see how well he competes in a small sample size, but in terms of how good he looks from an overall perspective, he's obviously got a lot to work on, but everything is a nice light shade of blue, which is always good to see when you're um, looking at numbers. So uh, good raw talent, just that Pochettino, who's sort of known for molding young players into world beaters, will probably be relishing the prospect of getting the best out of him. Well, I mean, obviously, I can be as optimistic as anyone else, right? Uh, it's a burden being uh, the the person that is relied upon for scoring the goals in any team. And to your point, look at those prices. If you can prove that you can do it, man, oh, man, will people pay. Um, and that's where we're at. So I would go ahead. We can open it up, right? And we're going to kind of go, go section by section here, break him down as a complete player. And we'll start with the strengths here. Yeah, absolutely. Before I get into it, I would like to thank uh, a lot of people, but two in particular. Seth, uh, you can find him on STH, STH Burner on Twitter, as well as Marcus Nana Sinkum, uh, who's CFC underscore QUES on Twitter. Both of them are very kind enough to offer detailed thoughts on what they saw in his game. Uh, Marquez was very, very kind enough to send across a report with his observations. Uh, he's also a, a very, very good player, a young player who's playing in the United States. Um, soon to make it big, hopefully. So one that I'm also cheering on from, from the sidelines. So one to watch out for uh, are one of our own. So hopefully I'll be doing a scouting report on them someday. But uh, yeah, both of these guys were, were very helpful with, with their feedback. What I do like about... Jackson is that he's obviously somebody who has a lot of things right in terms of his physical and technical acumen. 
but the one thing that stands out for me is his acceleration. He's a very, very quick, even from a standing start. He's pretty tall, I would say, like 186 centimeters. Or I would say around six, six and a half feet tall. Um, but just how quickly his limbs move and how he's able to explode at any direction. He doesn't have a preference as such, but uh, kind of striker who waits for your opponent to commit before going and picking his direction. So somebody who's able to do that on a consistent basis uh, creates a lot of separation. A lot of videos, if you watch the kind of reels that have been making the rounds on on Twitter, it's just how easily he's able to, to burst away from defenders, uh, which is quite striking about him. So I would say if there's one thing that you need to look out for, it's the fact that this guy is, you know, he's got lightning in his boots. He's very quick. Um, something that we did lack when Roya got injured, Oba obviously not as quick as he used to be. And all the others weren't really bursting. Like Kai Havertz, for example, very suspect when running behind the last line. So we didn't have the kind of pace that would allow defenders to, to stay pinned and then be a little threatened by what could be offered in behind. And I think this guy will will obviously change that equation a little bit. Um, but yes, I think that's that's one outstanding strength. The second I would say is, is about his link-up play. What I've really liked about the fact that he's a very good reference point. You can use him to, to play off passes and then sort of give yourself a little more room. You can also play one-twos with him. He's very, very nice with these deft touches and flicks and, and lovely little you know dinks in behind players. So he's very well attuned to what is behind him, what is ahead of him. Good understanding of space. So... Uh, if you want to use him as as sort of like a barrier to get into better positions, uh, he will offer that. He will offer intelligent touches. And um, one of his key responsibilities at Villarreal is actually be, to sort of lay off the ball to midfield runners before attacking the space in behind. So you'll often see him do what Harry Kane did a lot under Pochettino, which is come deep, play a touch to one of the runners, and then use that additional space when you're dragging a centre-back very, very high towards the halfway line, then you've got space to run back into. So he does that on a consistent basis. And the good thing is he's two-footed. So he's able to do that with either foot. He's not very one-footed, doesn't have, not exactly like a um, you know one-footed pony where you want him to be in a certain position or you want him to be in a certain way to sort of play off those link-ups. He's, he's very, very comfortable um, across the positions, across the field. So that's something definitely to look forward to. Um, also very consistent dribbler. He's he's actually a wide man. Um, he started off as a left winger and then sort of moved towards the center. So he is somebody who's very accomplished at beating people out wide. But what is interesting is, you know, when you put him up against people who are accustomed to defending quicker threats like fullbacks and, um, you know, quicker defenders, that advantage sort of gets nullified when you put him up against centre-backs, which um, are sort of not attuned to a winger like Peasants, which is why you've seen these kind of players like Randall Kolomwani come up because just the amount of acceleration that they're able to create, um, the way they're able to run in behind defenders and centre-backs in particular find them very troublesome to deal with. I think that's what's very interesting about Jackson. Uh, he's a wide man who's playing a, a number nine role. So um, good numbers, I would say as well. He's consistently, I think in his last two seasons, about 62% of his 
uh, dribble success has been has been good. Like it's it's the take on percentage is about sixty two percent, and uh, this season he had zero point four goal creating actions from take ons, which is um, in the ninety nine percentile in the top five leagues. So somebody who creates a lot of goals, a lot of shooting opportunities from from dribbling and taking on players. So uh, definitely, I think uh, a very accomplished white presence as well. Another thing that you'd consistently find with Jackson is that he has very good gravity. He's somebody who's often keeping center backs on their toes. And, and when he does make a run in behind, you will see both center backs respond to it because one alone trying to keep up with that level of pace isn't usually easy. So you'll see one defender trying to stay very touch tight to him and the other trying to offer a cover. So Villarreal used this very, very smartly. They allowed Jackson to pull two centre-backs away and two of the inverted forwards. You've got Jeremy Pino on the left side, a very quick Spanish winger, and you've got Samuel Chukwedze, who's a very quick um, Nigerian uh, winger who's on the right-hand side, a left-footed winger on the right-hand side. Those guys make runs in behind when Jackson is pulling defenders around. So you want those two guys to be able to make those runs to to create a little bit of distortion and which is what Jackson does does extremely well it's something that will be advantageous and something that we will talk about later on um, in the section and the last one i would say that his defensive work rate is pretty good i think this also comes from the fact that he is first and foremost a white man he's not really somebody who's been given the responsibility to you know rest and recuperate a little bit and and sort of choose his moments. He he is very defensively active. You will often see him drop back as, as far as 60, 70 yards, make a tracking run, make a tackle, block the ball, and then try to run in behind, which is um, sort of like a double-edged sword. So he will offer a good level of defensive work rate. He's got enough pace to press the goalkeepers and the centre-backs as well. So um, I would say a very good defensive presence as well. Somebody who offers counter-pressing, somebody who will offer all the defensive actions. So if you do see the points that I've noted, it's um, each one ticks the kind of stuff that Pochettino wants in his center forward. You know, he's somebody that wants somebody that will offer a counter-pressing initiative, who will offer runs in behind. If you see Pochettino's spurs, a lot of the runners would often drift wide, try to collect in channels and then run in behind. So I think Jackson fits that mold. So maybe... The club has talked to Pochettino saying, look, he has a young guy, not quite Harry Kane because he's a white man, but maybe closer to a Hyung Min Son. So can you do something with him? And I think the club has looked at that and said, there is a lot to work with. And which is why we've, we've spent uh, a modest sum, around 30 million to get him to the club and uh, lots of positive things to look forward to. I mean, there's, there's a lot in there, right? So, you know, he just turned 22. You know, very recently, to your point, um, you know, well over six foot, 172 pounds. So he's got a good frame on him, right? And I was seeing when you talk about strength and you look at some of these, um, you know, videos, he can hold the ball up, right? And uh, I think back of the glory days where Giroud would hold the ball up for an Eden Hazard to run off of, right? In the link up play, the little one twos around the top of the box. It feels like those are some of the things that you're saying that we can see here, right? As far as like, um, you know, with our attacking wingers, you know, we'll get in the four-two-three-one prediction later. But even in Nkunku, the part of it is we we he probably can't be relied on to score twenty plus goals a season. But if he can be a part, 
right, of 20 goals a season, goals and assists, that would be massive for the team because we know it's a it's a place that we struggled is as well. So I think that's a part that I'm quite excited about as well, Sam. I think the take-ons and the dribblings, I mean, is there a La Liga discount coming to the Premier League? Because we know Premier League is a bunch of big, tall bastards playing center back, right, that will throw in a tackle, put people on the ground, whereas La Liga, it's a little bit more free-flowing. It's just naturally that'll probably come down, don't you think, a little bit? No, I think you're spot on because in one of the weaknesses, I did point out the fact that he can be a little wonky when, when he's backing up against defender, which is, again, um, if it's happening in La Liga, then you have to consider the fact that he will be you know, harassed a lot more when he's doing it in the Premier League. You've got guys like Tarkovsky and, and um, hardcore centre-backs you know, who are going to be trying to get on his nerves, trying to basically back into him knee him in the back and then try to throw him off in any way possible. He has, you know, it does look like he does get his touches a little bit off when he's under pressure. It is erratic. I'm not saying that this happens consistently, but you will see certain, um, I would say, negative traits sort of creep in when he's under pressure. He tries to control the ball with the underside of his, uh, with his boot. And so it sometimes bounces off. Um, and then, he's not able to keep the ball as close to his body as as you should ideally be able to do as a target man. So I think there are concerns there. At, at his age with his decent frame, I wouldn't say that he's, he's somebody who's, you know, as physically imposing as a Didier Drogba because that ilk uh, commands respect and you do not push King Didi around unless you want to be smacked around. So I don't think he sort of radiates that kind of strength. So there will be Premier League defenders trying to exploit that, constantly trying to throw him off. Um, the good thing is that there are good fundamentals to work with. He can touch with both feet. Um, I also think that a lot of it also has to do with the fact that he has got long limbs. So sometimes when he's trying to take the touch, he's not trying to keep it close to his body, but he's trying to touch it away from him so he doesn't get tangled with another short touch. He's trying to sort of explode off and if the touch doesn't come off or if the first touch is a little longer, then that gives the opposition centre-back the chance to take the ball away from him. So uh, biomechanics issues, I would say a little bit of inexperience. Like I said, he's again a wide man who's slowly getting accustomed to a central role. So there are question marks there saying, is he an out-and-out out nine? Does he have those qualities in him? He does, but are they refined enough for the Premier League? Big question mark. Well, just to wrap this up again, we're talking strengths, acceleration, ability to break lines, get in behind. That's super important, especially at the bottom teams of the Premier League. Being able to link up, that's going to bring other attacking players into the play versus just being an idle person up top. Uh, take on dribbling, right? Create something out of nothing. You need that. Every special player has it. The high gravity ability to force the center backs to stay with him, dragging them. And then defensive work rate. Potch is going to have this team hustling next season, Sam. So he absolutely better have it. Uh, uh, and that is good to see. So anyways, we're going to take a real quick ad break. When we get back, we're jumping into maybe some of the improvement errors or the question marks that Sam found. So thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back. Bird dogs make you look good. That's right. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restrictive cotton. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So look, I've got a pair. 
Dan's got a pair, Nick's got a pair, we actually love them. But not only do you get bird dogs right now, if you buy, you get a free tumbler. That's right, you get a free Yeti tumbler. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com forward slash pool, P-O-O-L. Enter the promo code P-O-O-L for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. Well, a quick reminder out there, Chelsea fans, if you are in the United States, we will be following Chelsea around to four of the five stops. That's right. We are going to be in Raleigh, Philly, Atlanta, and D.C. and would love to see you. We're going to be doing live shows like we did last season. Actually, Sam, Nick is sending me the updates. We're almost already over 100 people at two of the four stops already signed up to come see us. It is going to be a party. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if um, the big sort of cat is out of the bag, but uh, I'm going to be definitely there. At least one of the cities, hopefully be jamming around with the LIBP boys for the first time in my life. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to it. It's It's been a long time coming and getting to spend some time with you guys and, you know, just be, you know, just reconnect with my family over the season and just be able to spend nice quality time, discuss Things other than football and uh, obviously a lot of football as well. Um, and yeah, or hoping to to explore the US of A for the first time in my life as well. So a lot of firsts for me. I'm looking forward to it. And um, I hope you guys are too. Oh, well, that is exciting, Sam, that you're going to be around. Uh, I would say, you know, Ishan's back. Producer Jake is going to be around. Uh, the crew has assembled for this one. And again, if you haven't been able to see Chelsea in London. This is the perfect time. It is. Everybody's happy. Everybody's having fun. Uh, there's so many good things about it. Like I said, we do the live pods. We've got some friends coming over from the journalist side that we'll uh, be announcing soon, but uh, head over to our social media. We've got Eventbrite. Tickets are free, but we would ask that you register because one, we got to know how much capacity we need. And two, uh, we just want to let all of our friends, because the local Chelsea and America chapters are hosting, we are playing nicely with them, so we just want to help them out and make the party even bigger. Uh, so again, check it out, socials, uh, Eventbrite, we've got registrations are live, and almost, I think we're over 300 people accumulatively, which is amazing. But we're here to talk about Nicholas Jackson, Sam. Uh, improvement opportunities, question marks that maybe you have, kind of what is the other side of the player that when Chelsea's scouting department looked at him, say, hey, these are some things that we're going to need to work on with him as we continue to develop him. Again, let me remind us all, 22 years young, okay? Uh, a lot of growing to do for this young player. Absolutely. I think uh, that factor that you said is First and foremost, the one thing that you have to keep in mind, even when you're looking at his weaknesses, which we will talk about next after this section, is just he is extremely young. It is also his first, I would say, proper introduction to top five league football. I mean, he was in the second division last season. Um, and, and it's just been quite a meteoric rise. Uh, he's also been, I think he's caught attention because he scored nine goals in his last eight games and suddenly everybody was taking notice, like saying, who is this guy and where did he come from? Uh, but again, I think we come back to the point saying that because he's raw and also because of the fact that he's not just making a league change, he's also making a positional shift. He's making a, a shift from a wide position to a central position. He does have things that he needs to add. Um, I would say that one of those things is 
is his movement. Uh, he does make some good runs, especially when when you're looking at runs behind the last line where he can utilize his speed, where he can utilize that burst, where he can get away on the blind side. He does those things very well. But against more settled blocks, against teams that tend to have their defenders in place in, in a low block of five, can struggle to do certain things right. You know, he's um, somebody who tends to face the ball a lot more than try to make, you know, uh, runs and make himself available for headers. Um, we will talk about it why exactly in the next section, but you will often see him not do the kind of things conventional nines do. If you see Harry Kane inside the box, he's not going to have both feet, you know, pivoted in a way that he's facing the ball completely. He'll probably be at the back of a, of a centre-back or probably peeling away to the far post for a header. Jackson doesn't quite do that. He's always trying to come short. He's always trying to offer one-twos. He's always trying to create something for, for the players around him. Not necessarily trying to, to offer that, you know, I would say the instincts that a, that a cutthroat number nine has. He doesn't quite have that yet. He doesn't quite break his neck to, to make the kind of moves that you see from from conventional established forwards, even basic stuff like double movements. Like, you know, you first make a move to go ahead and the centre-back goes ahead with you and then you suddenly peel away. So you create separation. He doesn't tend to get those things right. He does make single movements very well where he suddenly bursts away and it's hard to catch him. But those clever double movements, triple movements that you see from world-class forwards, those are absent. Uh, for the for the large part. So I think those are things that he definitely needs to develop. What he does do very well is that he places himself in good positions. So mostly tries to peel away to the far post and he'll be there for headers or rebounds, but uh, doesn't really make himself available as the central presence, as the focal point. And especially when you've got somebody like a Marlo Gusto, for example, coming in, somebody who's made a living out of being the most threatening player in League One from crosses, and especially high crosses aimed to the head. And you have somebody like Nicholas Jackson who doesn't really want to head, wants to play short. It's again a confusing dynamic as to how that works. So I think that's one thing that we definitely need to keep in mind. Um, another divisive aspect is, is that people talk about his finishing. His numbers have been you know, slightly amped up by the fact that he had a late season surge. But 50% of his shots were on target and he had one of the highest conversion rates in La Liga, around 30% of his shots. But we don't quite know whether this is sort of sustainable long-term. We do know that it's happened over a good, rich run of games. But whether this happens consistently over a season, uh, we don't quite have the data to say or predict uh, that this can be done. What I will say is that he, again, like can shoot with either foot. He can place it well, tends to generate decent power even with his weaker left. But uh, no near post runs. You know, not somebody who's actively trying to finish on the near post. Uh, five out of his 41 shots were from outside the box. So he's not a long-range shooter. He's not a high-quantity shooter either. He's, he was shooting around 2.3 shots per 90 minutes. You want your number nine to take four, four and a half, sometimes five shots a game. He's clocking somewhere around half of that. But he's also supplying shots to the likes of, you know, um, Jeremy Pino and Gerard Moreno and, and Lo Celso and all these guys around him. But he actively needs, I think, to be also the guy spearheading the shot count, 
trying to take as many shots as possible. He does have a good finishing rate. So uh, maybe he can amp up his shot rate and, and find more dividends from it. We don't know. So I think that's a question mark. You know, I, I think when new strikers come into the league, into a new league and a new team, I was looking at that on FB Ref 2, and it was his his shots, right? And and I was like, ooh, this this seems low to me. And again, I don't know VRL, so I'm not going to pretend to. You just added some great context. What I want to see, and and I don't know if other people agree or not, and that is totally fine with me. Don't you want your striker to come out shooting and be like, look, it might take a bit. You might struggle, but what we need for you is to just get a volume of shots off so you they, A, can understand the league, get a better idea of what's working, what's not, build some confidence, but it, it's going to have to be more, I feel, with this team. And so I hope that we can get him into a situation, Sam, where he's going to have the ability and the freedom to take shots. And this is the classic, hey... I'm probably 25, 27 yards out. I have a great runner to my left, but I pulled the trigger even though it was a better option to pass. You need those in his system, and maybe he'll get them in preseason if we can get this done here as soon as it's being reported. I completely agree. And then again, there's the fact that a lot of his shots tend to come on transition, like when he's running at defenses, uh, when they're disorganized. So again, you have to ask the question, how how well does he do against you know, the kind of defenses that often come up when you're playing Chelsea, you know, just sit back, don't give them any space and then try to close down everything and anything and, and avoid deliveries into the box. But when we do look at top strikers, for example, Victor Osimhen, uh 4.63 shots per 90, you know, more than double uh, top in Europe's top five leagues for shots per game. Mbappe, Nunez, Benzema, Lotaro Martinez, Lewandowski, Messi all above four. So, you know, even Erling Haaland gets around 3.77. So it's close to four. But you want your center forward to offer at least those numbers. And then I think he's lacking there. He's also lacking shots in the right, I would say, zones that you would probably predict he would come up against uh, when he's playing in the Premier League. So those those are definite question marks for me. But um, yeah, if if Pochettino can harness the the positive sides of it, we often saw Kane and Son sort of running at defenses from from deeper positions. So maybe Poch has something in mind. Maybe he knows that he'll be utilizing transitions well. Maybe he knows that he'll be, you know, he'd be putting Jacksons in the exact same positions where he had previous players in. So maybe there's a plan in place. But the numbers can be better in that regard, one hundred percent. Well, the the pod with you and, and John, right, from TIFO, that's exactly what he said, Mudrik being a transition player that Poch is going to love. And if that's the case and he's going to run, like, all right, let's go. But, um, all right, we, we've talked about it. finishing and shooting, work on it, a little bit of movement. When you look at these things, how do you see Poch getting involved with him? I think you just kind of opened the door a little bit there. Do you feel like these are things that it, that uh, a manager such as Poch is going to be able to help bring out of him? I would say yes. I have certain faith in Pochettino's ability to, to significantly improve aspects of players. Um, we've seen that in the past in terms of with younger players especially, just sitting with them and individually tailoring their, their sort of game style to the role that he has in mind. Um, there has been opposition from players, 
Even Harry Kane famously did not like a lot of the ideas that Potter was trying to drill into him. But in the end, I think whatever he was trying to put through showed the vision that he had for the player. So there will be certain things that Poch will demand and there will be certain refinement in, in his technique in in the kind of runs he makes, in the position he takes up. Um, it's interesting. I would say that there are certain facets that will improve and there are certain that might be, you know, relegated to the sidelines altogether. But I do see him taking on board a lot of what Pochettino has to offer and probably become a, a more all-round player with slight specialization in, in the kind of specialist ST areas that he's racking right now. I mean, he he isn't really a centre-forward. I, I don't look at him as a very, very elite centre-forward. I look at him as a very promising wide forward. And, and that's, a, that's a predominant, I would say, a, a pretty significant assessment to make. He does offer very good things in certain situations, but you want your nine to be amazing at all of them. And I, I think he does lack certain um, tools to, to help him in, in those situations. I mean, this is going to be a very, very new look attack in this season. You know, as we see the immense amount of, of um, videos coming out uh, about him, you know, I think that there's a lot that's a good way to kind of pair these two things together, right? Because what you're saying and what we're hearing versus what we're seeing with some of these videos, I think there is a little bit of that, right? And uh, I'll be really interested to see, you know, how Poch... Uh, molds him into a player if he is that hold-up player if he's more like son to your point where he's running off um you know with Nkunku coming in and i just i'm fascinated with this team this team is 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 going to be so different outside of the defense sam and to be fair that's what's needed because my oh my did we struggle in attack so uh, i love that chelsea are taking a shot uh we're gonna take our last ad break though when we get back we're going to talk about uh some quote-unquote weaknesses of our new guy coming in so thank you to sponsors and we'll be right back all right so we talked about the uh opportunities that he can improve on that we think that he can do better at but at the end of the day we all have weaknesses as people right uh elite players are no different um, we just have to be aware of them and know how to mitigate them. My favorite thing is if you have Timo Vern in the box, we probably shouldn't whip in 40 crosses, Sam. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. I would say he's, I mean, with Nicholas Jackson, he's kind of an ostrich, very quick, but not good in the air. Um, you know, somebody who will offer breakneck sprints, but when I do look at him and somebody who is his size, ugh, it doesn't jump at all. I've I've barely seen I've seen about six seven games I've I've had like two logs out of the seven games where he's jumped and actively tried to duel for you know an aerial ball sometimes in corners I've seen him jump but it's a half-hearted effort it's not awesome and leap to burst the ball with his head kind of leap it's not Drogba almost breaking Neuer's hand when that goal went in in Munich. That kind of power. It's, it's He's not got that. And his numbers tend to sort of, at least this season, reflect it. 30.2% of his aerial duels, 43 of them competed during his time. It's it's not really optimistic, to be honest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not very convinced that he is somebody who can... Um, I don't even know if he has a leap, if he's, if he's strong enough. But then again, we talk about things that Poch has worked with. I think... Um, when I was reading the book on him by, um, I think, Guillaume Bellag, he, he talked about how 
a particular player in the Spurs setup did not like contact. And Pochettino sent him to kickboxing classes to actually get hammered. So he wouldn't be afraid of contact. So um, I think it was Toby Alderwell. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, if if you can find a way to get this guy to believe in his leap, to actually try and make him make his presence felt in the center of the box, then again, I think you're just making a significant improvement by just changing his mentality. Right now, he just doesn't jump at all. Um, but but yeah, I think that's that's something that we we need to look out for. We already lack a lot of aerial prowess, I would say, in the front six. If, for example, we get Moises Caicedo, he'd probably be the best guy in the air of that front six, which is saying something. Enzo is not going to jump a lot. Uh, Mudrik, pretty short. Nkunku, decent, but five, eight and a half. We don't know how that's going to translate in the Premier League. Madueke, Sterling, again. Um, Madueke, not good in the air. Uh, Sterling very good when he's away from pressure and that leaves Nicholas Jackson who's very very poor in the air so uh, who in that front line is going to offer aerial threat with with the likes of Malo Gusto or Ben Chilwell trying to to offer deliveries into the box um, that's a question that that I would definitely have and uh, one thing that we already talked about is the solution versus set defenses I think that is something that I will definitely be keeping a close eye on I think he will struggle when he's up against uh, four, five, at least two centre-backs, keeping a very close eye on him. Um, and with no space to run in behind, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts. Another thing that I've I've noticed is that he's not really a, a very active central creator. If you look at Harry Kane, the kind of range he has on his passes, the kind of long passes that he, he offers, you know, that kind of vision, that kind of central penetration is sort of absence from, from Jackson's game. And, Possibly, I would say, is is down to the fact that he's that quick. He has full and complete faith in his ability to carry the ball. Even when he's under pressure, he's able to, you know, progress the ball even under tight situations. So maybe that hinders him a little bit. He doesn't, he doesn't really take the ball in a deep area and play a through ball for somebody running ahead of him. Um, so I think that's something that will be interesting to see if if Poch can develop that into him. The good thing is his long passing is very good. He's got good numbers on his long passing. It'd just be interesting to see if he can develop those first time switches out wide and then run into the box or if he can if he can develop through balls in the run. I think that'll be pretty awesome to see. But uh, right now doesn't showcase those um, those central effectiveness. I think he's a little ineffectual from. Um, central areas from wide, he's he's superb. He creates a lot of big chances, but from center, I think he can do too much, much better. And the last is something that I think is a summation of um, everything that we've done. We've talked about just basic center forward instincts. It's a telling fact that Villarreal were the second worst crossers in La Liga and the second worst at completing crosses in La Liga. So they, so they don't cross into the box at all, which is quite a telling thing when when you've got a center forward of his of his height in there um you want somebody to be a total reference point uh, there will be a lot of the times when the ball is cleared from the back and he will have to jump and recover the ball and i in those situations i don't know how he's going to cope but again it's just he's 22 he's coming into a new league he's arguably going to get better at his new position and he's working with a manager who has a proven track record of of adding, you know, new feathers to people's caps. So overall, it's I think 
an interesting juncture to be at, but at his price for his age, I think that's a, that's a very, very good um, investment for sure. I think there's, there's a lot of stuff that, again, I'm looking at and I'm saying, is it just down to stuff that, that he's doing because he's young and he's inexperienced? A lot of the times, for example, you'll see him not run at all. And you're wondering whether it's because he's tired, because he keeps making these high-intensity sprints to, to try and chase down people. And then when the ball does come his way, he delays his run by two, three seconds. So it does look like he doesn't know how to pace himself. Uh, maybe that's, you know, my observation, like my subjective observation, or maybe it's just his anaerobic capacity. He can't make sprint after sprint. He's not dynamic enough. But we do know that Pochettino and his coaching staff sort of specialize in that. Uh, they specialize in fitness and high-intensity conditioning. So directly there, you know that you're getting a, a massive sort of potential, like a plus point right in this fitness and anaerobic capacity. So there are a lot of weaknesses, but even those weaknesses can be better just by making him um, a more resolute mental athlete and maybe just giving him the right tools to work with, which is what I think is the most exciting part about him. Mm, yeah, I look, the way I kind of look at this too, Sam, is this fits the mold of the January transfer window, right? I mean, Michael Amenalo has to be sitting there going, come on. I told you guys about this 10 years ago. I probably even more at this point. Young, high ceilings, need some development, affordable, show a ton of promise. What's he going to be? Six-year deal? Minimum, right? It, it, it's This matches a lot of things we're doing. And I think as Chelsea start to get their um, leadership structure in place behind the scenes with the sporting directors and the technical directors and in the scouts and the data scientists, all these pieces, right? I do think that we are seeing some consistency here. And you have to assume that Poch is signed up for this as well. There are weaknesses to these players, right? But what they're gambling on is the high ceiling. They've seen the glimpse. They've seen enough of the glimpse to believe in it. Now can we put them in a situation to succeed? With these situations that we have, you know, we're realistically, for the most part, only going to have one match a week next season. There's going to be a lot of time on the training ground. We didn't have that for the last two, three, four years. I mean, we're talking back to like COVID almost. Chelsea have been playing about every three, four days for years now. Poch is going to have time to mold this team, develop these players, and put out a well-prepared game plan week in, week out. And obviously, it's up to him and his staff to go execute against that. But I also feel like if you have to take a half reset and gamble on some players like Nicholas Jackson – there's really going to be no better time to do this in Chelsea's history than I, I feel like right now. You're absolutely spot on, especially the point about, I think what goes under the radar is how well the recruitment setup has stacked into the younger talents. I mean, if you see almost all of them have been making a mark wherever they're playing. Uh, in the under-20 Copa, Andres Santos, you know, led Brazil to, to the title um, you've seen Cesare Cassidy end up with the with a golden ball and the golden boot. Um, and then after that, you've seen Kendri Paez also come at the age of 16 years old and, you know, show that at under 20 level, he can still be a star. Uh, so we've got all these younger players who are offering great glimpses into what they could offer maybe two, three years down the line. 
Datro Fofana, for example, we haven't even seen him on loan. He hasn't had any game time, but I'm extremely certain that at a club that offers him consistent game time, we will see what made him such an exciting prospect for European clubs. So I think that's just the the larger overarching philosophy of it. You know, develop your own talent. Uh, make sure that you've got fallow fields and, and you pay attention to your uh, to the nurturing process. You know, you don't have to necessarily go and buy 120 million worth of, of talent in like, you know, just one basket. You can spread it around, spend 20, 30, 15 million on, on the likes of, you know, Kane Chukwumeka, Cassidy, Andre Santos. And there's there's a extremely high chance that at least one or two of them end up being superstars. And I think that helps us in the long term. Like you said, even with the scheduling that we have, especially with Pochettino getting a full preseason, not a lot of travel, making sure that he's got enough time between games to prepare. All of that offers, I think, Pochettino the best possible foundation that he can have to make this team something before the start of next season. And I think that's what we should be looking forward to. And that's why there will be mistakes. This team will show the kind of immaturity, the kind of, you know, big game melting under pressure kind of stuff. That's okay. That happens. You know, these guys are still youngsters. But um, it's the growth. It's the kind of pathways we saw Mount, Reese, James, Tomori and the likes take under Lampard. I think that's what the season will be. They'd just be cheering them on from the sidelines and, and seeing these guys make the first team consistently. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, um, excited for him as well. We can talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, uh, now getting international call-ups as well. Uh, just played against Brazil uh, and just played against... Um, it's not... Oh, my gosh. Now my now my foot mob doesn't want to go back. <laughs> Brutal. Which player are we talking about? Benin. Nicholas. Oh, Nicholas Benin. Yeah, he played against Benin in the, I think, AFCON qualifications. Yep. In Brazil, and so, many in Brazil, yeah. Only two minutes, right? But it's just he's he's hitting all the steps, right, in his development. And I always think that that's like good to talk about in the context where the players are, is especially when we talk about Santos and and Sister Cassidy and where they're at, right? Like he's now started to break into the full national team as well. Played with Kulabali, so pretty cool. Um, a little bit about the the system at Villarreal and his fit at Chelsea, right? Because we've got the profile now, Sam. How does this potentially plug into what we've got going on at Chelsea? A, and it's tough because as we've talked about even already at this point, Potch, what are we going to do? Back three, back four. That is probably the biggest implication for this team. But regardless, kind of uh, set us up for what could be. I think the interesting similarities are that he's played in a system that Pochettino is most likely to implement. So he's played in a 4 2 3 one and even the profiles of players that that have played those roles are similar to the ones that we have. You know, he's somebody who is, I would say, a very free-roaming, drifting, dropping nine. He's not really somebody who's going to pin himself to, to the box and try to, to wait for service. He wants to get around and try to make things happen. I think the most important part about him is um, he, again, will facilitate a lot of chance creation for the three people behind him. And when you look at the kind of players that are there. We talked about Jeremy Pino, somebody who's very quick, very agile, um, nice, tricky winger, somebody who, who we were linked with before we got Mudrik. Um, similar to him as well, you know, uh, somebody who's very, very quick with his feet, able to offer 1v1 prowess 
And then you've got Chukweze on the right side, who, again, when you look at Madueke, the kind of dribbling wizardry he was pulling off at the end of the season. You've got two players who are inverted forwards, inside forwards, who don't want to stay touchline wide, who want to be narrower, who want to be close to goal, who want to take shots on goal. And part of Nicholas Jackson's role is trying to vacate that centre, trying to drop, pull the centre-backs out, move them around and try to get these two players in to try and and get them 1v1 on goal or try to get them uh, with runs where they're not under pressure at all. And it's something that we've seen with 4-2-3-1 with the Pochettino idea that when Harry Kane drops, you want Hyungmin Son running in behind. You want Dele Alley running in behind. You want somebody like a Walker or a Trippier offering width for, you know, the first switch so you can put a cross in. Those kind of ideas, I think, is something that Jackson will facilitate because that is his strength. He is somebody who will offer a lot of fluidity, which you don't get with a conventional line. You can go with someone who's fantastic in the air, who can be a penalty box poacher, but most of those guys are ineffectual outside the box. I think Jackson's strength is outside the box, but inside it, he still has work to do. He's also, I would say, a similar to what Pochettino would want in a transition reference. So Villarreal actually are a very, very good side with the ball. They've got very technical, capable players. But the first pass that they make out of transition, the first medium or long pass that they make when, when they're breaking is usually to Jackson. They're usually trying to get him on the ball and then try to break and, and sort of like get him to run at centre-backs when they're backpedaling. So it is something that suits Pochettino. It's something that he's done with with a lot of players asking them to receive the ball wide, pull the defence to one side and then try to attack, try to get the centre-backs to to follow you into places where it's going to be very tough for them to recover from. Those things are something that I I would say Jackson is is very, very good at. And the most important thing I would say is his equation with the number 10. Somebody who's very good at link-up play, offering elusive runs for the number 10 to sneak in behind when when the centre-backs are occupied. This is exactly what you want from Christopher Nkunku. You know, this is this is his textbook role. You would want a number nine like him making the kind of distractions, being the foil to stand in front of the centre-backs, keep them busy, make sure that they don't wander around because his pace is devastating enough to be able to create separation and get 1v1 on goal. So you want Nkunku with somebody like him. And uh, with news just breaking that Manchester United had pulled out of the Mason Mount race, um, it is, I think, a good idea to even have somebody like a Mace at, at number 10, if, if that's Pochettino's idea to try and reintegrate him into the Blues lineup, to have somebody like him offering uh, a good supply line, offering these cute little passes for Jackson to run onto so he can score. So a lot of good equations, a lot of right players that suit him. Uh, that he's familiar with at Villarreal that might translate well to Chelsea. So I would say that it's not just good scouting, but it's also looking at the player, his fit in the system and how close that system is to to what we might replicate, which I think ticks a lot of boxes and something that we didn't do with somebody like a Lukaku. And, And that's the biggest difference between that recruitment and this recruitment. Well, you know what? There's... You know, they're definitely, it's kind of funny. You think of what they do, right? Private equity, investments, they want to hedge risk. Uh, they want to bring in a bunch of different options to to essentially protect themselves. And, and that's what they're doing here, right or wrong. 
They're going to get a, a bunch of young players on reasonable fees for long contracts versus the Lukaku, right? Hundred some million, long deal, it make or breaks. Oh my, did that break? <laughs> it, it broke it all. And so it's a different approach. Uh, I like the I like the overlaps. I like the consistencies. I I like where we're going. I do feel. Um, how about this? And, and this isn't just a Nicholas Jackson thing, Sam, but maybe a little bit higher. Uh, the, the one thing Chelsea have struggled with is uh, appoint new manager, sign specialized player for said manager, sack manager, force said specialized players to adapt to new manager system, rinse and repeat four or five cycles over. I, I feel like a Nicholas Jackson, a Mudrik, a Marueke, Enzo, Barishil, um, Wes Fofana can play in a myriad of systems. Like They're not specialists. I feel like they're just... Um, really good uh, role players, position players. And then when you assemble this team, you've got a, a high ceiling, high opportunity where a different person can and will shine at different times. I think versatility, like you mentioned, has been at the forefront of what we're trying to do. We are trying to find multifunctional players, multidimensional players. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, for example, um, he also mentioned this, that we were watching him very closely during the World Cup. And when you see somebody like him being able to play as the number six, being able to play in the diamond, being able to play further ahead, you don't mind spending 100 million on him knowing that he can play those three positions to an extremely high level. Uh, it's been our good fortune that we've got somebody like a, you know, Benoit Badiashil for, for 30 million, 36 million, whatever the price is. Uh, he can play in a back three, in a back four. But... We're not afraid to spend the money when we know that there is a versatile talent that can offer what nothing else can offer in the market. But the general direction seems to be get somebody who can play multiple positions and get somebody who will be here not for the manager specifically, like you mentioned, but for the long term. And I think that's how you build a good squad. Maybe the manager sees the next manager or, um, you know, Touchwood, whoever it is that wants to come in three, four years down the line or if Pochettino is still here and wants to evolve from his initial blueprint, I think there's enough talent there for him to switch it around a little bit and say, can I play with two forwards? And in that case, you've got a lot of guys. In case you want to play a 4-3-3, you've got the guys. Andre Santos is somebody who I would think would be an amazing B2B guy. Conor Gallagher, for example, I feel is best in a midfield three. So you've got a lot of talent to work with. And I think that's great squad building. So hopefully... Um, a majority of this crop will come good. It does look like they have the right ingredients. It's just concocting the perfect um, alchemical recipe from, from whatever we have. And hopefully that happens over the season or two. Yeah, no, it's so good. Well, I appreciate you kind of running through. Like I said, I've, I feel like I'm seeing a, a trend starting to form. It sounds like Nicholas Jackson fits into that trend as well. So I'm thrilled with the the uh, the player review that you've done yet again, Sam. Absolutely delivering when the people needed most likely. Welcome to Chelsea, Nicholas Jackson. Uh, plug for the summer trip. Want to see the new man in action come hang out with us. We'll be around all of the trips except Chicago. But Sam, thank you so much. Uh, again, you know, I, I feel, I don't know. You, you tell me, is the summer going better than maybe last summer and maybe in the winter when there was uh, maybe too many tails to chase? Is is it going any better for you? <laughs> um, I actually uh, was a couple of steps ahead of the recruitment team. I started on Gusto. I started on... Um, 
a lot of guys, I would say like Kaisero, for example, I started in January. So I was almost halfway done even before we were linked with these guys, which was good. I, I felt like I didn't have to panic. I didn't have to sit and watch three games in a day and, and you know, just not ball my eyes out with a, you know, bowl of Baskin Robbins. I think that it was just sensible for me to be a little more prepared, well-prepared. And I think that's the perk of sort of working at a high-pressure environment. You tend to to adapt and evolve. And I think that's what I've been doing. Today has been in particular brutal to me uh, on a personal front because I was traveling four hours. I got stuck in a monsoon and I dropped my phone in a pothole full of water. So I lost my phone uh, for 20 hours. I was stuck in a repair shop for three hours. And here I am recording the podcast with you an hour later. So um, life and its amazing challenges, we are here for it. And uh, we shall we shall rejoice. <laughs> All right. Well, you are a hero. Um, I'm just clumsy. Please, Brandon, be be honest. The effort <laughs> is heroic. As someone who constantly drops their phone and is clumsy, I appreciate you <laughs> you you showing up <laughs> no matter what. Um, all right, Sam. I expect to hear more from you this summer. A uh, lot more going. Uh, excited to see the club taking care of the outgoings and, and taking uh, advantage of some opportunities. Uh, for those of you who don't know. Uh, FFP does matter. And so as much as they can get off the books by the end of June, the, the, the better the financials look. So that is why they are prioritizing out versus in. And plus, technically, the window doesn't start until July 1st. So anyways, Sam, hats off to you. Really appreciate it. At CFC Central, is it underscore at the end? CFC Central uh, 3. 3. CFC Central 3. Uh, he's just bookmarked and listed in my favorite, so I don't even have to look anymore. Uh, go follow man on Twitter. Link in the description, as always. But that's going to wrap us up. Plenty of content coming at you all week. Hope you've enjoyed it. Happily, Nicholas Jackson signing day. We are out. Subscribe. Leave the five stars. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.